Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Injective Venture Group, IDG, Capital, and Pantera. Let's take a listen. Hey, I think we'll just get started now. Um, this space is, is being recorded, so if someone comes in later, they can always rewind and listen from the start. So, yeah, without much further ado, Thank you, everyone, for joining the Twitter space with IDG and Pintera today. We have Will from Pintera and Joanna joining from the IDG side of things. We also, of course, have Eric from our end. Um, they'll be chatting about some very interesting things uh, regarding Web3 trends, um, some trends within the VC circles themselves, and, of course, the Injective Ecosystem Venture Group. So I'll sort of moderate and initiate the conversation and let the speaker sort of take it away. Um, so just for a bit of context, last week, we introduced a $150 million initiative. Um, this is meant to accelerate developer adoption across the injective ecosystem and also the broader Cosmos ecosystem. Um, the effort was joined by some of the best VCs in the space and also best institutions, I would say, um, Pantera and IDG being two of them. But we also had guys like Jump and Delphi. Um, big sex sort of venture firms, uh, such as KuCoin Ventures and Gate Ventures, um, and also big trading shops such as Flow Traders. Um, so, effectively, we want to learn more about what this group will actually do and how it's sort of net beneficial to the burgeoning developer community in the ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, I think we can kick off with guest introductions. I know I briefly mentioned their names, but um, yeah, maybe Joanna, you could go first and then Will can follow. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, it's Johanna here. Really a uh, pleasure to jump into today's Twitter space. And uh, yeah, I'm from IDG Capital. And uh, uh, basically, IDG Capital was running the Web2 investment for almost 30 years already. And uh, we're actually focusing on the Web3 investment for a very uh, short time, but pretty uh, ambitious on the site. So I was helping within all the blockchain and web related investment and uh, really happy to be here today with you guys. Really nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thanks Mirza, for, for the intro. Um, yeah, hi guys, I'm, I'm Will. Uh, I'm on the investment team at Pantera. Um, if anyone who isn't familiar with Pantera, we've been around as a fund since about 2003. Uh, we started as a global macro fund and then pivoted in 2013 to focus exclusively on crypto and blockchain assets. Um, so we've been around in the space for a while. Uh, we focus exclusively on, on crypto. So we, we consider ourselves to be sort of pretty, pretty crypto native. Um, and we'll look at and invest in pretty much anything in the space across all stages. So um, my personal background is in uh, sort of traditional finance. I have a background in kind of traditional equities investing and also quantitative finance. 
Thank you. Yeah, very excited. Um, and of course, we also have our very own Eric. Um, so Eric, I know most of the audience should probably be familiar, but if you want to give a quick 20-second intro about yourself and Injective, that would also be great. Hey guys, this is uh, Eric, co-founder and CEO of uh, Injective Labs. So Injective Labs is a core contributor to the Injective ecosystem, and it has products like uh, the Hub, um, uh, Helix, etc. So uh, I think that's uh, pretty, that's pretty much it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, I think it's just let's just get into the meat of it and dive into the initiative itself. So the Injective Venture Initiative will seek to bring a very high level of growth for the developer ecosystem. I think it would be good for everyone to know what is the primary goal of this initiative? What do you guys hope to sort of achieve with it, um, especially in the current market climate? Sure, I can I can start there. Um, yes, I think for us, we you know we've been excited about you know injective as an ecosystem for a while. We, we're pretty early investors, leading the seed round back in twenty twenty. Um, we just want to basically be supporting builders in the injective ecosystem as best we can. Um, and, you know, we're going to be really excited to see any projects that are leveraging, you know, some of the core primitives that the injective team has developed in sort of unique or interesting ways. Um, we're, we're typically more interested in sort of more kind of zero to one improvements um, than sort of incremental improvements on proven designs. Um, in spaces that might be dominated by sort of one or two incumbent players. Um, but we're, we're pretty excited about DeFi. We're going to talk about some of that uh, in a bit and some of the trends that we're looking at and for, for 2023. Um, yeah, so cross-chain messaging, swaps, lending, decentralized derivatives, et cetera, it, it, all, all sort of stuff that we're going to be looking at. Yeah. All right, uh, uh, for me, I think, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry Joanna, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So for me, I think the uh, uh, injective labs I actually already know since I was at the Binance Research before. So it's really happy to see today's uh, improvements on all the market tabs looks like right now. So it's really exciting to see all about the DeFi ecosystem collaborating with injective labs all the time. So uh, I think this Cosmos ecosystem generally is a very ambitious, especially in the 2020, and uh, it's still showing an uptrend uh, until in 2023. So I think Injective Labs, it would have the chance to do the interoperability with all the different protocols within the ecosystem and bring the much values, uh, bring much more values together with all the different protocols, especially in the DeFi side. So I think for this, uh, uh, th this program, I'm very, very excited about to see the potential developer teams and also see the uh, promising community management and also the development uh, within the bigger ecosystem, not only in uh, Cosmos, maybe even larger. So uh, that's it, uh, almost about that. Yeah, I I think one of the most exciting thing about Injective as an ecosystem in general, uh, this trend of uh, sector specific chains and uh, application specific chains is that it kind of breeds a new ground for developers to really flex their muscles. Um, but the downside of this is that, you know, a lot of the users and a lot of the existing you know, incumbent players uh, in whatever vertical there you're working with, it's, it's generally very tough for people to wrap their head around. And it, it requires a little bit of a boost uh, during the zero to one phases uh, for a lot of these projects that are working on extremely innovative ideas to uh, kind of get off the ground and uh, get the kind of recognition and exposure that they deserve. Uh, for example, you know, there's a lot of projects on top of Injective 
uh, working on you know things that I've never seen before in DeFi. Uh, you know, providing uh, liquidity with uh, very, very capital efficient mechanisms uh, directly onto the order book, um, and also you know different types of fair and transparent applications uh, that allows users to be self custodial, um, you know, self sovereign. And on top of that, you know, there are a lot of you know hidden kind of primitives that, are, that can be extensively utilized to build a lot of really, really exciting applications. And these applications are typically, you know, uh, those that uh, developers on Ethereum, Solana, et cetera, kind of just uh, uh, shrugs off because, you know, they know that it's impossible. And I think, you know, now uh, with this initiative and with uh, all the historical efforts, um, it's really for a lot of these uh, developers to go back and say, hey, like, you know, it wasn't possible before, but now with uh, the injective infrastructure, et cetera, it's uh, possible. Uh, just to name a few, you know, like uh, having the concept of a brokerage account, uh, you know, having a, an FTX-like uh, margining system, um, uh, rest in peace, obviously. And, you know, a lot of different flexible me mechanisms are provably transparent and fair. And most importantly, you know, uh, uh, risk isolated uh, in nature. Uh, this is really what DeFi is about. Um, uh, I'd say like, you know, like uh, uh, builders deserve the recognition and this consortium uh, is uh, there to support them. Yeah, thank you all around. That was great. Um, I think some of the speakers were sort of alluding to it, but a major theme of the initiative and Injective as a whole is DeFi. Um, so Injective as a chain is sort of optimized for building DeFi applications. Um, Injective provides a number of different modules, such as an order book, um, options, et cetera. So essentially any developer can sort of take some of these modules and create their own application in a matter of days even. Um, we've been building in the space uh, for quite many years and the DeFi boom, I would say, started in early 2020 in a way um, with market leaders like Compound, Earn Finance, et cetera. Um, since then, we've seen a lot of different iterations of DeFi um, with different yield farming protocols um, in 2020 and later more sophisticated protocols, uh, lending protocols, et cetera. Um, but obviously, many think that starting in 2022, um, with the general market collapse of CFI and a lot of the Black Swan events that occurred, um, such as Terra, Three Arrow, FTX, most famously, um, that DeFi is quote unquote dead. Um, so I would like to sort of push back on that narrative and understand why you guys are still sort of bullish on DeFi as a whole, as a sector, um, what trends you're sort of seeing in the sector, and what do you hope to see in the future in the in the industry? Sure, uh, I could answer this one first. So uh, the first one is actually, I think the what happened within the last year, like the Black Swan within all the CFI uh, systems, it's not really a bad thing for the whole uh, market. So considering uh, all the regulatory uh, regulations and also the institutional investors, it's actually pushing all the market into a more uh, general, uh, more structured way. So we should expect the blockchain market to be shaped by the development of the standards uh, from the network itself and also the frameworks for the regulated entities. So today we've seen that uh, the last years actually uh, the cryptocurrencies market slightly slowed down compared with the year previous, like 2021, but it's still not going really that. So uh, compared with also NASDAQ ratio and also the the U.S. and global stocks, it still performs okay. Uh, I think this is a challenge for the DeFi ecosystem, not only in the way that we have more creative uh, way to 
make the transparency and also the network building in a more structured way, but also people see some mm, confidence lost in the centralized finance. And it's not really to replace everything at the same time at one time, but it's a chance for everyone to know more about the DeFi, what is DeFi doing and uh, any kind of the advantage we can bring to the users. Uh, it's a chance for everyone to know what we're doing right now. So it's kind of uh, a good thing for all the market we've seen today. And the second thing is for the for the bullish side, I think after that, the stable coins seeing great chances in the whole general market. So if we wanted to build uh, high quality tokens and also more stable uh, general financial structures within all the DeFi ecosystem, stable coins really play an important role for all the uh, different uh, positions. So starting from the, no matter the, the Uniswap or so the curve, we've seen that the stable coins always been the first um, uh, first elements to trigger everything, events go up or go down. So I think stable coin this year or even go further will still be a very good competition for all the different parties and how to better adjust the, uh, and leverage the risk and to take use of the, take the best use of the, Stable coins, it's uh, a major concern and a uh, problem for everyone to to solve. And uh, we are also targeting for the high quality tokens, not only for the uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum. We are looking for more structured tokenization instead of just pump and dump tokens of coins to to flush into the market and gone. So I think all these uh, expectations should be uh, developed within this year or the end of this year because it's going to be more regulated and structured in a, in a more bigger way yeah yeah um i guess yeah i mean i i don't want to kind of I, i'm wary of sort of making the argument to these kinds of questions that all of the blow-ups from last year were, were net positives just because there was a lot of there was a lot of pain in the ecosystem you know people got hurt like across the spectrum from um you know big ticket like institutional investors to to kind of you know more kind of you know less crypto native retail so i i'm not sure like where it, where that shakes out in the long run but i think in terms of like silver linings there there are definitely quite a few i i think the argument that DeFi is dead is, is definitely wrong um i think you know DeFi was incredibly resilient throughout all of this it was a lot of it was a big it was a centralized finance problem primarily um all of last year so that there, I think there's a lot to be said for how DeFi is held up um, in the face of uh, in, in the face of all these kind of CFI and CDFI um, blow up. So I think I think that's one point in terms of in terms of trends that we're seeing in the space. I think um, over the next couple of months in 2023, some the FTX thing, the other centralized exchange, other other centralized finance blow ups could be. Pretty big tailwinds for DeFi. I'm excited about DEX volumes. I'm excited about decentralized derivatives exchanges. You know, FTX being one of the primary centralized finance derivatives exchanges. Um, you know, enormous volumes going through there daily before before the blow up. Um, excited to see sort of where where that shakes out um, over the next couple of months. Um, other things that we're seeing and looking at, I think um, this one's more of a kind of I guess infrastructure DeFi hybrid, but definitely excited to see how the state of the liquid staking market impacts liquidity in the space and post Shanghai. So what I mean by that is, 
ETH is currently around 14% stake in terms of the total network value. Most other L1s are in the kind of 45 to 70% range. Um, so if you go on stakingrewards.com, you can see uh, where all the other L1s stake out. Um, you know, we, we're pretty sure that post-Shanghai, there's going to be a big unlock. People who have been, you know, wary of uh, liquid staking derivative DPEGs that haven't been diving into the space, as, uh, diving into staking as, as much as they might have been, um, we think are going to be much more kind of risk on once uh, withdrawals are officially unlocked. So there's other things that are happening in liquid staking. DVT, which stands for Distributed Validated Technology, um, is another is a kind of a risk management protocol. I suggest to the audience to check out Obal Network. We just co-led their uh, their Series A round. Um, that is a risk management technology which will significantly de-risk slashing risk. It'll increase validator uptime so people get more staking rewards on average over time. Um, that's another thing that should de-risk staking and encourage people to to be staking more. So um, with with that there's going to be a lot of liquidity that gets unlocked from these liquid staking derivatives as people stake their ETH. Um, and we think that that's going to be a little less shy about finding a home in terms of yield than the current holders of ETH who, who are sitting on, on ETH bags generally. Um, so we're kind of curious to see where that, where that lands, where that finds a home. Um, we think there's going to be a lot of competition to, to, to kind of, get that liquidity, but we're kind of excited to see, to see where it goes. Um, a couple of other points, I'll try and be quick on these. Um, we're excited for real world assets, real world yield. Um, you know, banks around the world are tightening their credit, credit requirements at the moment in the face of kind of economic uncertainty. I think this is a really good opportunity for DeFi rails to extend into those areas um, and service some of those companies that are no longer being, um, being serviced by kind of traditional finance. Um, there's been a couple of sort of recent catalysts to the space. So Block Tower just introduced the first institutional credit fund into on-chain lending. It's a $220 million fund by MakerDAO uh, and the Centrifuge Partnership, I believe. Um, and obviously the you know high, rising yields in, in traditional finance and in the real world um, as a result of the interest rate environment should also be a tailwind to that. So. Um, Couple of other spaces. We think decentralized options markets have a lot of ground to, to, to go. We think that better mobile support here could and incentive programs could definitely accelerate the space. Um, but a lot of the tech, a lot of the groundwork has already been done there. Um, so we're gonna be watching that space quite closely closely. And then finally, we're um, and I recommend anyone who's interested in uh, the intersection between TradFi legal and regulate regulatory and DeFi to check out uh, our year ahead blockchain letter. You can go to Chia's section. He wrote some really good thoughts on this. But um, the idea is basically that in DeFi, we've had a little bit too much of a focus on code as law. And the fact is that actually law is law at the end of the day. And uh, Sega, which is one of our portfolio companies, exemplified this by um, requiring ISDA agreements um, with all of their market making counterparts. Um, which basically gave them seniority over all bankruptcy claims and allowed them to get 100% of their funds back from Alameda within about a week of, of the collapse. Um, we thought the Sega founders' TradFi backgrounds gave them kind of the knowledge base to put these structures in place. Um, and we thought it was just a great example of where kind of leveraging like TradFi legal and, and regulatory kind of 
rails can can actually be significant like really beneficial to, to DeFi, where we typically you know want to require rely more on code and the focus has been more on kind of having code be doing 100 percent of the enforcement um yes i'll stop there yeah DeFi definitely is not dead and it has certainly significantly improved and saw a lot of uh, recent adoption especially with uh, seasoned uh, industry players for the past few months um, as we have, you know, witnessed very much firsthand from Injective Labs and from a lot of the ecosystem projects as well. Um, I would say like one of the most intricate issues that we see right now uh, within this space and within, you know, like the broader uh, crypto sector is you kind of see kind of this, uh, this dichotomy of centralized players, um, you know, migrating their more traditional mindset um, and their uh, risk appetite into a high growth uh, sector and kind of creating a lot of uh, waves, uh, getting a lot of attention. And, you know, similar to the general, you know, traditional financial uh, cycles, uh, create a lot of, you know, uh, uh, public collapses as well. And at the end of the day, it's kind of like this saying goes, uh, these violent delights have violent ends. That being said, you know, the unfortunate case for the recent collapses is that um, the, the, the failures are, you know, very much, you know, commingled together and, you know, it's really at the end of the day, like all the general public that gets, uh, significantly hurt by this along with institutional investors. And the, the immediate impact of this is that obviously we saw, you know, a lot of the institutional investors, uh, you know, de-risking and stuff like that. But, uh, we also witnessed, um, more seasoned players and, you know, more established uh, institutional investors uh, entering, as a matter of fact, um, because they saw the opportunity, because they saw that you know the, the leverage has been flushed out, because they expect you know more and more safe practices uh, uh, to be implemented, um, and you know th this really shines a very very strong light onto DeFi because it was completely unaffected by all the recent incidents, um, and basically. Uh, with all the you know market volatility, it has you know stood to be it is stood to be extremely resilient against all these market factors, um, and this is you know a true test for uh, uh, the DeFi resiliency and you know kind of like the semi Coda's law concept. That being said, um, I think at the end of the day, you know a lot of the centralized players just have kind of like this um, incumbent or um, um, you know, inherent advantage uh, because, you know, failure in centralized players are uh, heavily delayed and, you know, can generally be uh, um, uh, kind of uh, avoided or, uh, you know, ch uh, championed through uh, if they're lucky. Obviously, you know, for a lot of recent failures, they're, uh, you know, they, they just happen to face these failures in the wrong, you know, market condition. And but for DeFi, even the slightest uh, hint of failure and the slightest hint of risk is extremely pu public, and everyone can uh, react in the most liquid way possible. And this basically creates a, um, kind of a more reporting or more highlights of uh, DeFi failures, when in reality, you know, uh, CeFi failures are far more often and uh, uh, you know far more basically uh, um, damaging. But it's just that, you know, people don't know about the damage until it's too late. Um, on the other hand, I would say that there are just a lot of, you know, base primitives um, and uh, general trend of uh, building 
uh, that people start to, and you know, like all these wonderful developers start to explore to really kind of uh, merge the advantage of the traditional financial infrastructure uh, with the transparent and you know uh, uh, trustless uh, DeFi kind of uh, uh, properties. And what we're seeing is that you know one of the biggest pain points around DeFi is capital efficiency. Um, it's the lack of a, uh, a robust credit system. Um, it's you know uh, um, the the lack of fungibility of uh, uh, assets, etc. And this really limited you know the overall liquidity or the effective liquidity uh, that DeFi can bring and the adoption along with it. Uh, that being said, you know the next iteration of DeFi will be kind of really advancing this uh, credit layer and you know advancing um, the general uh, kind of mobilization of capital. Uh, to be able to make like a usable uh, options protocol, you know, derivatives protocol, um, and a lot of these uh, base primitive uh, to be, uh, you know, on par, if not supersede uh, uh, a centralized financial stack. And that's something that I'm truly looking forward to because uh, in the past cycle, a lot of the DeFi you know, innovations and development has been heavily focused around, you know, squeezing uh, as much uh, risk-free yield, uh, quote unquote, as possible. But now, you know, as the market has really, really calmed down during this high interest rate environment and the global macro factor, um, a lot of these developers are kind of huddling back and looking to build innovative things and understanding that, you know, um, in order for you to remain competitive, you'd have to put into work and uh, spend uh, and be patient in, you know, building truly innovative stack. Um, and I think, you know, us at Injective Labs, we kind of, uh, uh, started, you know, during the peak of uh, crypto winter and uh, kind of understood or have the mindset of, you know, um, building defensible things, building, you know, uh, um, highly complex and uh, I would say like highly innovative uh, infrastructure and basically protocol and applications. And this kind of allowed us to uh, basically be this kind of perfect building ground and be this perfect uh, ecosystem for you know other uh, uh, aligned builders to join as well. Thank you, guys. Um, I think there was a lot of amazing alpha there in terms of sectors and and DeFi as a whole. So yeah, really appreciate it. I think um, generally when I ask this question, I usually get a um, super super bullish take on DeFi. So I'm glad this conversation was way more nuanced uh, to understand what's happening sort of in the macro environment and how that could impact DeFi too. Um, one sort of uh, subsector that was perhaps affected by the CFI meltdown and also um, sort of general sentiment change within crypto is venture activity. So one thing that likely most people in the audience have noticed is in the last year and a half or two years, there's a frenzy of venture activity, right? Um, with funds being raised left and right, um, people spinning out and creating their own funds. Um, and on top of that, uh, individuals raising giant sort of capital raises across the board. Um, so a general question a lot of people now are asking is, where is all this money going? Um, because obviously VCs have a certain fund cycle that they need to deploy um, the funds within. Uh, but it seems like funding has generally just left the system. A lot of the news we see these days is for funding rounds that actually were closed months ago. Um, so is that true? Are is venture sort of currently stopped or sitting on the sidelines? Or do you feel like there's still deployments happening? Um, and if so, where is it being deployed exactly? Sure, yeah, I'm happy, happy to go first on that. Um, 
So I, I think, I think you're right, Mizza. There, there was a bit of a, a slowdown, um, sort of pre the holidays, kind of in December, sort of end of November last year. Um, we think that that was mostly seasonal, given the uptick that we've seen in activity in the first couple of weeks of this year. Um, we have a good amount of dry powder still as a firm. We're still deploying across, you know, everywhere in crypto. Um, we are being a little bit more selective uh, in general. We're maybe waiting to see a little bit more traction than we were previously. Um, we're happy to be a bit more patient. We're happy to wait, wait for sort of the right company with the right valuation. Um, but we're definitely still actively deploying. We're still actively fundraising. We recently announced uh, that we're launching uh, our fundraising efforts for our next fund, which is called Fund Five. Um, you can read about that on our website. But um, I think I think that we have noticed a definite uptick in the in the first couple of weeks of this year in terms of venture activity, in terms of founders raising. Um, I think the environment can be a little bit more tricky um, to raise in at the moment, but uh, for really good projects, that is, uh, given the slowdown at the end of last year, there has been um, kind of a flight to quality, so to speak. So uh, the valuations for, for for some of kind of the the more exciting kind of like sort of hotter rounds have been have still been pretty pr- pretty high, I would say. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, actually, I agree with uh, what we'll say that. Uh, Investment activity actually shows strong seasonal signals because actually if we compare the data last year and uh, 2021, the total investment amount actually didn't jump a lot. So it's actually slightly increased compared to 2021. The reason why is before all the Black Swan events happened in last year, uh, the first quarter and the early uh, Q2 actually have had pretty great uh, investment activity activity and uh, we've seen that when the price and the market showing the positive signals all the investments really uh really active and uh, uh pouring money to zero potential teams and protocols so i would say that the money is always in the hand it's just didn't spend as easy as as we saw in previous years and for idg actually we never stop talking within the teams we always deploying and uh uh, chatting with all the potential projects all the time, just kind of slow down considering all the market. And also we've seen that most teams are transferring from the application side, like the NFT and GameFi's, what happened in the end of the 2021, and transferring from this angle to a more fundamental check. So building DeFi structures and also maybe uh, bridges and uh, security related. So all the security issues happened last year make everyone be more uh, risk alerted and uh, to know that as long as we want to go to a long way and uh, to hold in the bear market we need to definitely build ourselves in the more structured way so i think uh, money still there it just didn't uh, pour into the market as you or as fast as we expected before yeah no i think that was great um i can i can speak from it from a different context um from the context of someone working at a project um i've definitely felt as though um the the sentiments are correct here a lot of my personal friends sort of stopped raising towards the end of last year because 
they thought the market climate would shift or change. But I think there's been a new sort of order that's been set. Um, I think a lot of people have now realized that, hey, the market will likely not change for a while, or this is the new rule. We won't be able to raise at the ridiculous valuations we were raising at before. So I think the market has sort of humbled a lot of founders recently, especially among people I know. Um, and they're more willing to raise now, starting in January, um, at more proper valuations um, that yeah, we're largely inflated across 2021 and even beginning of 2022. So yeah, that hopefully adds some additional color to what I've seen uh, from the other side of things. Um, a big part of this initiative as a whole is to actually connect uh, promising founders and developers with the VCs. Uh, a big issue in the space in general, or in VC in general, I would say, is it's a lot about who you know. Um, and warm intros go a long way, um, cold reach outs, sometimes do not work, often do not work. Um, so the initiative really is designed to diligence uh, founders properly and then match them with venture firms such as Pentor and IDG here um, that could potentially take the conversation further and potentially even partner with them to help them scale. Um, so yeah, maybe it'd be great to hear from you, Eric, how can sort of builders get in touch? How can they sort of get into the program um, and meet with some of these amazing institutions. Yeah, so actually it's a very, very easy. You just go on injective.com. Um, there's basically like a, you know, a, a, a tab, and then you can just basically uh, fill out the form and apply there. Um, you know, talk, mention as much detail as possible um, about, you know, your project, what you're working on, ideally, you know, attach uh, some demo, some uh, repo link, et cetera. And, Basically, you know, like the community can pick it up um, to do like a first pass and share it with uh, all the consortium members. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, that was great. I think I'll shift gears a little yeah. bit. We've been chatting a lot about DeFi, but a understated sort of category we didn't touch upon yet is interoperability. So there's been a lot of talk about the sector as a whole. Joanna sort of alluded to it earlier as well with bridge solutions, et cetera, security being new priorities um, in the current climate. Um, and it can be understated that <clears throat> there have been sort of a lot of failures in interoperability, right? Um, yesterday, I was uh, all over Twitter um, where uh, Wormhole was selected actually as Uniswap's new uh, bridge provider, for example. Um, and there was a huge controversy with layer zero, et cetera. But interoperability can extend far beyond bridges themselves. So it'd be great to sort of understand what your take is, is on the space where you see it evolving beyond just bridges um, and yeah, what, what it means for the future where there could be multiple L1s, for example, that could coexist and interoperate with one another. Yeah, happy to take this one first. And uh, I think uh, for all the, the interoperabilities, uh, Cosmos ecosystem is definitely doing the mm, top one or two in this whole ecosystem. So I guess the ecosystem, uh, organically combines all the protocols and the different layers all together uh, from the beginning and uh, shares all the like securities and also some liquidity advantages with, with each other. So I think this one is definitely uh, like you, uh, 
like you said before, it's not only about asset transferring between different bridges. It's more about communicating. So we need uh, more complicated information to be transferred within different ecosystem. And uh, for this one, I think uh, for now, all the bridges uh, logic is very straightforward. So how to uh, the first stage, we are wrap the tokens, how to wrap the tokens in different systems and uh, to doing the tr uh, swaps and uh, across the different chains. But for now, it's not stable and secure. So a more advanced way, we are getting like the wormhole. So it's more secured to, to communicate within the protocols. And in the next stage, I think it's better to, might be a brand new logic uh, for the ecosystem. So you can have the different uh, uh, nodes, running node systems uh, within different ecosystems and to let uh, each native node system to help with each other to communicate. That's a, that's one way, but uh, it's not uh, confirmed yet. But I think it, we should expect a more new structure for all the bridges we've seen today because it's uh, kind of a new idea like uh, I've seen the Connect before and also the DevOS, the two protect protocols using the different uh, ideas and logics to do all the bridges things to share not only the asset, but also the uh, information like signatures and everything involved. And uh, also I think for the next step, we, we, uh, we should expect a more structured way to to do all the NFT related because NFT playing a big role in all the ecosystem right now. And uh, previously, we only see the game files and also the NFT uh, profile images. It's not enough. And if we wanted to take advantage of NFT in further, further, so uh, how to uh, better bridge everything like this and to using the similar standards in different systems to measure and do the mo monitor, I think I would say do the monitor and measure all the activities among different ecosystems. It's also another thing I think for the bridges need to think about. And uh, yeah, I've seen the, the Twitter's like injective and also Uniswap using the wormholes collaborated each other before and also the Cosmosm and the Axelar. I think that's all the good solutions for now to doing all the bridges things, considering either security and also the scalabilities altogether. So I would expect these protocols to do a more advanced uh, information transfers in the future. And yeah, that's almost that. Yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, I you know, agree, agree with me as a, you know, in, interoperability has been, you know, I guess pretty much the biggest area of security risk over the last year. I think something like 70% of the funds that were hacked in 2022 in crypto were lost in bridge hacks. Um, which amounted to, I think, like over $2 billion worth of funds, um, which, is, which is a pretty big problem. So I think sol solving this is probably one of the most, if not the most sort of critical kind of hard infrastructure problem for, for the space at large at the moment. Um, I think it could have, be one of the biggest boons to the space once it's solved or proven to be solved over a period of time. Um, we are yet to make a bridge investment as a firm. We're excited about the uh, kind of emerging different sort of trustless bridge designs beyond kind of IBC really is kind of like the pioneer there. Um, there are a lot of ZK bridge designs starting to emerge, which are quite exciting. Um, we're excited about IBC potentially having a path to, to roll out more fully on Ethereum. Um, we think that projects that are, have a core focus on interoperability are 
more interesting, more exciting in general. So, I mean, to that end, we think it's like really great that Injective has recently integrated Wormhole. We think that's a, a really big step forward um, for, for the project uh, at large. And um, yeah, we're also, the, I mean, I think the final thing just on, on interoperability, obviously being so core to the um, Cosmos ecosystem, we're kind of just, we're, we're excited to see what, interchain security can can bring to this, the, the cosmos space more broadly um and and how that might catalyze uh you know the kind of the app chain thesis and you know maybe de-risk some of you know the early stage project risk but i'll, I'll leave that i think that's that's coming up in a bit so we'll speak about cosmos later yeah i i think interoperability and generally like you know bridge infrastructure message passing infrastructure um, and all of these, you know, like competing protocols, uh, et cetera, it's actually really, really, um, you know, it's a critical piece of infra, uh, uh, infra for the broader crypto space. Um, and for, you know, uh, generally any type of application to be truly viable, they would, uh, they would need to go multi-chain in one way or another. Most applications, you know, uh, are exploring L2, uh, uh, et cetera. But, uh, obviously, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, um, kind of like cross L2 or uh, uh, general uh, interoperable uh, issues around, uh, you know, L2 inherently. And I would say that, you know, over time, you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, public failures, but it, uh, the, the point of these uh, competitions and the point of, you know, all these competing solutions is that, you know, when uh, when there is a winner uh, and when there is a you know uh, trusted and stable solution, which you know in theory it uh, um, it absolutely should. It's not you know uh, it doesn't have like an uh, uh, extreme inherent uh, uh, security risk uh, that that can be uh, addressed or resolved. Um, it'll be likely you know uh, one of the most uh, important catalysts for uh, the next stage of uh, adoption and growth. And on top of that, basically interoperability is not just about you know bridging assets from one chain to another. Um, you know, Injective is one of the first to uh, be able to you know pass uh, and extremely well utilize uh, uh, arbitrary data, oracle data uh, across chains. And you know, over time, you're going to see more and more of these adoptions, especially on the cross chain composability and cross chain uh, um, interoperability uh, plays that are going to be you know heavily uh, uh, adopting and utilizing the uh, you know advanced infrastructures of you know all these chains out there, and to basically make sure that um, composability is not lost when you uh, jump between chains. And on top of that, I would say you know one of the ways for uh, uh, ecosystems and users to kind of offset the bridge risk is you know for first let's start off from an like ecosystem perspective. Um, or from like a you know bridge builder uh, uh, perspective, um, is to be being able to isolate risk and you know uh, diversify the risk as much as possible, <laughs> because you know for 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 a general case, it's a it's a massive honeypot for uh, bridge solutions. If you have you know like a uh, bidirectional uh, bridge that is you know very very well, well adopted, your asset uh, is essentially um, all kind of. Uh, um, Congregated within that one single you know contract implementation or that one sing, uh, single set. Uh, that being said, you know like that that can be heavily improved. It could be asset specific. Uh, it could you know uh, be done in various different ways to make sure that you know the, the risk can be contained to a single type of asset, uh, or it can be you know contained in uh, uh, diverse ways. 
and for you know ecosystems is about you know working with uh, and integrating with as many solutions uh, out there and as many you know standards out there as possible um, to be able to you know make sure that you know this ecosystem is not you know uh, over reliant on a single bridge uh, in the long run um, and obviously you know like uh, uh, I would say like generally uh, uh, the current landscape of uh, all the bridges out there. Uh, there's definitely, you know, uh, not enough players essentially uh, uh, for 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 a lot of the bi-directional channels, and they're always, you know, uh, overly centralized on uh, uh, connections to uh, Ethereum, uh, to you know some of the you know uh, largest chains out there. And I would say another really key point uh, for uh, ecosystem is that uh, basically always, you know, monitoring, always prioritizing. And you know, for Injective's uh, case as a sector-specific chain, um, always ensuring that you know uh, the ecosystem uh, uh, developers and users are protected uh, at all costs. And I, I think you know uh, a lot of these uh, 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 projects building on Cosmos and a lot of these projects, you know, generally trying to be multi-chain uh, would agree with this. Thanks. Great. Um, I think I'm going to shift gears a little bit and uh, take some time to ask some specific questions uh, to our panelists. Um, I guess we can kick off with Will. So I know that Pantera, of course, has been partners with us since early 2020, I would say. Uh, since then, uh, since sort of leading our seed round, you guys also followed on a couple of times in later funding rounds. So what sort of been your perspective on Injective as a whole? Why have you guys sort of chosen to partner with us all these years? And why do you sort of continue to be interested in what Injective has been building? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think what kind of struck us immediately, you know, back in 2020 about Injective was just the strength of the team. And uh, we, we just really thought that, you know, you had a, like a broad-based um Broad-based talent, they complemented each other really well. Crypto natives who um, know how to build, proven builders, um, and we just felt like you really knew what you're doing in the space. So that was that was a, a, a big positive for us. You know, as venture investors, it's, it's important to have to have kind of A plus teams. Um, second things that we've kind of been uh, excited about, we think that you know, Injective's done a couple of things that have been really really exciting. Uh, since since we've invested, you know, we're they've taken kind of you know the order book model from TradFi, improved on it by replacing you know the continuous double auction with frequent batch auctions, you know, in ways that kind of the traditional fi financial system could never really do, given how entrenched trading processes are. Um, you know, for, for for context for anyone who's who's not familiar, this the the, the, the sort of FBA uh, model allows the exchange to eliminate predatory front running um, by high frequency trading firms and it also encourages greater risk taking by market makers um, and sort of the provisioning of deeper liquidity and, and so you know better price discovery and tighter spreads on on exchanges so that's 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 really exciting um, other things that we've been excited about recently we think the idea of automatic smart contract execution is is very impressive we uh, we're kind of we're sort of blown away, really, that the Injective team has been innovating at such kind of a fundamental level on on smart contract design um, in a very unique way, and we're really excited to see what kinds of features that could unlock for builders over the next year. Um, other DeFi primitives that the team has introduced, sort of binary options for prediction markets, negative maker fee support, also 
you know, just a, a really exciting kind of like toolkit, I think, for, for builders out there to be working with and, and deploying into their projects. Um, other, you know, there are sort of more exciting integrations. I touched on this already a bit, but I think the wormhole integration is going to be really great um, and, and kind of make the, the, the entire ecosystem a lot more appealing for kind of, you know, builders who are on other chains and thinking about moving over. Um, users, obviously, of course, who can, who can move over much more easily to, to Injective now. Um, and obviously, we think that the Astro port uh, deployment is, uh, it, which was a massively successful exchange on Terra, is, is, a, is a really good vote of confidence for the, for the ecosystem, um, given that they chose Injective as their sort of first layer one, um, as their iteration of Astro port V2 post, um, post the Terra collapse. So. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I think I'll do the same for Joanna now. Um, I think many people might not be super familiar with IDG in the Web3 space, but IDG famously is an early investor in a lot of unicorns that many of you know, such as Xiaomi and Tencent and Baidu. Um, they're likely, if not the largest, one of the largest investors in all of Asia with a really great footprint in the US as well. Um, so I think Joanna will have a cool vantage point here where she's, of course, been a very successful Web2 investor. Um, now she's sort of taken her talents and bringing it to Web3. Um, so Joanna, sort of what parallels do you see between the two? Um, and what do you think is different about venture investing in general and what IDG is focused on in Web3 versus Web2? Yeah, thanks for asking. And uh, yeah, actually, IDG is pretty familiar with all the traditional investments in Web2 because actually it's been years. All the names you mentioned before, yeah, we are big shareholders of the team. And uh, I would say the Web2 companies uh, get have some a really, really successful investment experience, which we, we could learn from it for the, all the Web3 uh, investment. It won't be 100% uh, same with each other, but actually all the product design and all the development and even the team management and operations experience is really, really important when we are uh, looking for a potential team and how do they going to build for their team structures in the long term. It's really a good learning experience for everyone here, uh, I think, even for myself, to, to learn about all the successful experiences within all the big investors within IDG Capital. And uh, for Web3, actually, uh, we started uh, looking at Web3 investment actually pretty early, back to 10 years ago, I would say, because uh, we actually the big shareholders of Coinbase, KuCoin, and uh, uh, Ripple as well. So back then, I think our um, partners really have an idea that the blockchain and web related technology would transform the whole world, uh, starting from the financial products, but generally uh, down to the everyone's customers' uh, daily life, like applications, the way we're communicating and on the social files. So it's a big chance for uh, IDG Capital to grab all the related uh, uh, opportunities and to uh, invest our energies. So I think whenever we meet the potential team, uh, IDG really could help with, uh, for one thing is maybe uh, helping with some experiences we have before in the Web2 world. And even if you, uh, you are building some down to the customer's uh, portfolios or the protocols, we are able to provide some advice and even jump to 
the connection directly to the similar products we've seen in the web too, and to share some advanced advice with each other and to learn with each other. And also there is a good point for, for example, the game device. We wanted to know what exactly the game developers in the web two world are facing in these days. And how do the web three structures and the blockchain related, not only the financial structures, tokenizations, but also the way people share and storage uh, on chain could solve the problems what we are facing in the daily daily life right now. So we have a direct uh, connection with these two different areas together. So um, for IDG, we're actually open to all the different areas in Web3. And uh, we are pretty flexible with the ticket size as well. So uh, no matter the, the DeFi release specified and also the DID or the game files, uh, we are open to talk with all the potential teams all the time. And uh, we will try our best to to see if we can help with other teams to either boost their ecosystem within Asia, because that's uh, the stronger connection we had uh, for IDG Capital. And also, we could also try to doing some internal analysis for the protocols and also the uh, product experience sharing within the team with the partners within IDG Capital. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's um, pretty much I would share today. That's fantastic. No, I think that, that's a great sort of um, segue into the last question. I think uh, the conversation took longer than I expected. So I'll sort of skip a couple of questions and ask one that's probably on the minds of many. Um, so all of your companies have sort of been in the space for many, many years now. And you guys have lived through multiple market cycles. Um, do you guys see any parallels between what's happening in the market today versus what happened in earlier market cycles, whether that be um, the earliest iteration closer to 2013 or later in 2018 and 2019? Um, and what's different in, in this market cycle in terms of development focus? And um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Happy to happy to take that one first. So, I mean, I think sort of fairly obviously the biggest parallel is in, you know, the pricing action um, that's occurred. But I think that is actually mostly where, for me, at least the parallels end. Um, I discussed this internally with the team, with some of the members who have been around for a little bit longer than I have in the space. And uh, we decided that one barometer was that if people are still showing up to Twitter spaces, then uh, that's already a lot better than some of the loss. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but besides, besides that, um, you know, we think there's there's definitely better talent in the space in this cycle. There's there's real products, there's real usage. You know, NFTs, DeFi, gaming. You know, these are these are like real use cases which which didn't really exist in their full form in, in previous cycles. Um, it, you know, it was it was more this kind of like this breakout technology, this really exciting, you know, new primitive that people were working with, but no one really knew, you know what it was, where it was going to find its place in the world. And, and I think we're much closer to that uh, today than, than we were, you know, four or six or eight years ago. So um, other things, you know, I think, as you discussed, you know, like a much clearer path towards kind of secure multi-chain interoperability, which I think is very important for the space. Scalability uh, has been really built out um, across ecosystems. People are taking scalability very seriously. Um, those uh, roadmaps have, you know, been largely kind of, uh, people have kind of largely walked, walked through them already. So um, other things kind of developer traction, I think is still increasing. A lot of the developers left 
that left in the last cycle were, were actually mostly part-time developers. So I think Electric Capital released a pretty good report on this, um, just kind of detailing how, you know, price action comes and goes, but every time that there's a bull run, it brings in a lot more developers into the ecosystem. And then the the number of developers that leave is is sort of, it's a much smaller kind of percentage drop than than the price action, you know, might might suggest it would be. So maybe it's kind of like a five to 10% drop per bull run. And a lot of that is actually kind of like part-time developers. So um, I think the final point is that the macro conditions are very different this time. Crypto's never had to face a recession before. Um, Crypto has obviously become more correlated with macro recently. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of, you know, the most recent kind of uh, bear market was initially triggered by kind of macro macro triggers in, in kind of traditional finance markets. So, um, you know, I think it's important for people to be paying attention to macro more now if they're interested in, uh, in kind of trading liquid cryptocurrencies and um, also for just people building in the space who are interested in when the next uh, bull run might come or bear market might be over. I think macro is going to be a really strong leading, leading indicator for that. Um, yeah, so for this one, I think uh, from the marketing side, if, uh, no matter when the price go and jump to the very, very high point or jump to like Luna back to zero last year, it's always helped this ecosystem jump out of the circle and uh, to let more people know what we're doing right now and uh, all the news we're discussing this is. And besides that, I think previously all the cycles is kind of robust because all the uh, competitions or the price fluctuations related with centralized finance more instead of uh, decentralized or on-chain activities. So people have lower control of what's going on here and more rely on the public news and the publications or the marketing news that's being published from the big or the centralized finance organizations and institutions. But after 2020, after the DeFi summer is happening and all the game fights, uh, I think all the builders and developer fears are more targeting to a specific goals right now. And everyone has, has a clear roadmap for themselves. The protocols and also the different angles on chain, they are knowing more clearly about what we wanted to build in the long term and what we want to achieve our goals. So in this way, uh, for example, the security, we would definitely know how to use the transparency on chain to track the data or the scams account to protect ourselves, protect our funds within different protocols. And uh, for the centralized finance, they are trying to figure out a way to let the users trust them to the way to manage all of their monies they have. So I think all these things are coming to a consensus. So previously, only a less group of people who know what's going on here and the they are focusing on the tokens price fluff jump up and down and to it's more like a money game it's like a prediction market going up and down but these days it's more like a developing it's really really about how we're going to build this world in a different way and how we're going to uh create a trend uh create a tr uh, brand new market for ourselves like uh, permissionless creative financial products kind of coming out this year even more freely and or with transparency. So users uh, win their rights to see what's going on into this market instead of just led by the big wheels and institutions uh, in the traditional market. So in this way, I would say in the 
next coming years or even in the longer term, the fluctuation is still going to come in up and down. That's how the market performs. It's normal. But we should have more faith and uh, consensus uh, towards a finalized goal that we are waiting for it. So it won't be easily to get down or swept everyone out into this market. So I think that's a really promising thing for everyone here. That's fantastic. Agreed on all points. I think, um, yeah, the conversation was great. And I think the hour passed by way faster than I imagined. Uh, But thank you to all three of our speakers, especially Joanna and Will, for joining us today. Um, Definitely give both of them a follow. They have some great insights in general about the market and trends in Web3, um, trends in Web3 VC specifically as well. So um, yeah, I'll see you guys next time. And also for the builders that might be in this chat, definitely make sure to register for the Injective Hackathon. Um, I think whether it's a bull market or a bear market, it will always be a build market. Um, so yeah, let's keep building. And thank you so much again for to everyone for joining. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Meza. Bye, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Injective Venture Group, IDG Capital, and Pantera. Recorded on Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focus, Starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man's swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Little Dan envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the birds view. Gotta find cover. Wipe off the bird poop. Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth. Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Vision.
Tune in the middlemen, listen to the fiddleman Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Channel Spaces